From the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. Today's topic is securing your computer. Viruses, malware, spyware, Trojans, how to keep it all at bay. Joining us in the studio from Do It Security, Monica Bush and Stefan Way, along with our regular geeks, Ty Christian, Adam Wiesenfart, and Jesse LeGrew. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and worldwide on WSUM.org. Please welcome my co-host, fellow geek, Ty Christian. Hello, hello, hello everyone out there. How's it going? Welcome to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. The show where we tenaciously talk tech for an hour. Today's forecast is... 46 degrees out <laughs> right now. 49.4, 49, Oh, jeez. Oh, 49.4 and 100% chance of protests. Oh! Hey! So anyway, welcome to Do It Live. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to talk about security. We're going to talk about getting your computer all you know airtight. No viruses, no spyware, no malware. Keep away from our computers. That's right. We've got Stefan Way and Monica Bush in studio with us from Do It Security. They're going to give us a hand and, and help keep the nasty viruses and malware away. Say hi to our listening audience. Hi. Hey, Hello. Hey, Stefan. <laughs> hey, Jesse, you back there? Sure. Hey. <laughs> Good times. Je- Jesse. Sure. Yep. So, <laughs> so uh, before we get to our guests, before we get to our news, before we get to anything else, we are going to play Explain It to Your Parents. That's this true. is where we try to explain, explain some fairly complex technology to a family member. And uh, and our uh, producer in studio here, Mr. Matt Rock, is currently trying to get my my grandmother, my actual grandmother, on the phone. We're going to explain Google Voice. Yeah, Matt, let's see if we can. Do, do we have her, Matt Rock? See if we can I, get her. I, here. I think we might have her here. Oh, there we go. Hello. Hi, Grandma. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Hi, Lorraine. My name is Adam. I'm one of Ty's co-hosts here on the radio. Sure. Uh, and we're here with Jesse. He's also in the studio with us. And uh, I don't know if Ty explained to you what we're doing, but it's this little thing called explain it to your parents, or I guess in your case, explain it to your grandparents. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we we gave Ty a topic, and that topic today is Google Voice. Do you know anything about Google Voice at all, Lorraine? Google Voicemail. You know about the Google Voicemail. Okay. Well, let's what, what, so tell us tell us what you know, Grandma, about about the Google Voice. Google Voice, I don't know anything. You okay. don't know anything at all. No. Okay. Well, Ty, uh, your topic today is Google Voice. Explain it to your grandparent. All right, Grandma. So here's kind of what Google Voice is. You, you know, you know how regular voicemail works on your cell phone, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm, I'm a ma'am now. <laughs> always happens. Oh, yeah. Well, you know how, um, so so basically what Google Voice does is it just kind of uh, replaces your voicemail um, with uh, the Google Voicemail. Um, and so it, it, it basically just is the same kind of thing. Uh, but the cool thing about Google Voicemail is that you can, like, so if somebody calls you and, and, and leaves you a message, uh, you know, on your, on your phone right now, you have to call up the voicemail thing on the phone and, uh, and listen to it over the phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you can do with Google Voice is you can actually uh, you can actually listen to the voicemail on the computer, just like you would, you know, like songs on your Winamp or whatever. 
Okay, and how do you do that? Well, you'd go to uh, you'd sign up for an account, which you, you already actually have one since you're on you're on Gmail, um, and uh, you'd go to voice.google.com, and then you just kind of follow the instructions there and, and set it up. Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the other the other cool thing about Google Voice is that you can call, um, you can call uh, like phone lines through Google. Have you ever done that? No. So what do you think? What do you think about that? Well, that sounds cool. <laughs> what uh, if you if you had Google Voice? What do you think? Uh, what What do you think? Do you think you'd use it more than your normal voicemail? Or uh, well, voicemail. I don't. I don't really get voicemail, do I? I guess you do. Does anybody leave messages on your phone at all? They leave text messages <laughs> on my regular phone, or what? Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. So, so Lorraine, let me propose this to you: if you know you got a couple, maybe three different phone numbers, if you just had one phone number that rang all of your phones at once, would that be something convenient to you? No. Okay. <laughs> then, then maybe you don't want Google Voice. <laughs> that's yeah. That's. Oh, an... oh, wait a minute. Yes, because I got a phone in my bedroom. I got a phone in the living room. And I got a phone in the kitchen. I got a phone in the basement. Well, well and then yeah, you also, and it, it would also it, you also could have your cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. And any phone number. So yeah. what what you could do is you could tell Google Voice like, hey, you know, here's my Google Voice number, and and if anybody calls that number, it would ring your home phone and your cell phone at the same time. Okay, because I was just told yesterday that I'm in not in the phone book. Uh oh. Oh. I'm I'm uh, I'm using uh. The internet for my phone. Well, you should talk to. Well, if you're using the internet for your phone, then yeah, there's that's a new thing. You know, the phone book is one of those technologies where we're not sure what the, what's going to happen with that in the next five years. Do you still use a phone book, Lorraine? I don't use a phone book. No. I use a computer. Yeah, you know, you know, and I gotta say, uh, you should tell you should tell these guys what else you do on the computer because uh, it would probably uh, it would probably surprise a lot of people to let, to know you know what you do. You tell, tell them what you do on the computer. I copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like uh, I was talking about like Facebook and stuff like that. Facebook. I've been on Facebook half the morning. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wow. That's it. That's great. Hey, Lorraine, um, we can't thank you enough for for being on. I think. Um, I think that we do have to go to the judges and see whether or not Ty succeeded in explaining Google Voice to his grandma. So, do that. He always explains it very well. Let's see. The judges say, "Oh yes, I think the judges approve." So, <laughs> excellent. Thanks so much, Lorraine. We really appreciate your time here. You're welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Grandma. You guys sound really. Uh, on the phone with us here, Ty's grandma, we explained stuff to her. So we, we'd love to <laughs> thank Lorraine great. again because she was just great. So, And I got to say, you know, for, for someone of her age being able to be on Facebook and, as she was saying, copying and pasting <laughs> on the computer, you know, doing all that sort of stuff is just amazing. She's told me time and time again, you know, gosh, if I didn't have this computer, I would just die. I don't know what I would do without it. She, she uh, you know, she loves to, to Facebook uh, stalk me in the... Me and my sister and my grandma constantly, but you know it's it's really sweet. You know she leaves messages with us all the time. So, anyway, uh, so, th- so big thanks to Grandma, big thanks to Lorraine Gambeski for being on the show. Uh, everyone listening out there, I just want to remind you that we are the most connected radio show on the planet, the Do It Live Show. You can you can uh, text us, text us, uh, leave us voicemail. You can give us a call. The number is six zero eight. Five one five eight seven six eight. From a campus phone, you can call us on five nine seven eight six. Uh, 
Email is radio at doitthatwist.edu. Uh, check out our website for our podcasts and all the other ways to contact us, of which there are 16 different ways. Wow. It is at doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. That's doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio. And now, the most critically acclaimed segment of the Do It Live show, Jesse LeGrew with the news. That was quite the intro. We're trying. We're trying, Jesse. What's going on today news? Uh, not sure about today, but at least throughout the uh, week, uh, one of my favorite parts here was... Uh, the U.S. government accidentally shutting down a uh, large DNS domain and all the other subdomains behind it. So, so tell us, our listeners, what that actually means. So, you know, you go to Google.com. Google.com's a domain name. You go to um, mail.google.com. That's a subdomain. Mm-hmm. Google.com. Uh, so what they were doing was trying to break the connection for um, sites that either dealt with counterfeiting or child pornography. So, you know, things they definitely want to block. Sure. But on accident, um, they shut down, uh, it was, well, moo.com, M-O-O-O.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess there were 84,000 subdomains for that as well. So approximately 84,000 websites were um, brought down due to uh, a mistake. Not accessible due to the magic of the federal government. Yes. Amazing. Oh, oh that's not good. And. Ooh. The security folks, I'm sure, would understand why we're doing that, but uh, it's it's kind of overreaching a little bit. You know, we call that a denial of service attack. So mm. somebody thought we were Egypt for a minute, apparently. Oh. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> All right, Jesse, what else is going on this week? Uh, well, do you like game shows? Yes. Do I, I like game shows? We love game let's, shows here. Let's see under door number three if we love game shows. Yes, we do. We do. <laughs> so we have Jeopardy and Watson. What? Watson, the computer built to uh, do question and answer. Oh. Wasn't and, that, isn't and, that uh, the sidekick of uh, Sherlock Holmes? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Dr. No, Watson? It, actually, what it was is it was, was an, it? the old way that you used to search through your files on an Apple machine when it was still <laughs> very, what? very... Back in the day. Back in the day. Oh. Yes, back in the day. Okay. Anyhow, so did they win or did, they, did the computer win or did it lose? Uh, the computer won. Oh, no, and not only really. did the computer win, how, how much did it win by? This uh, is pretty crazy. I think it was overall, because they did it on two. I think they had a uh, the first one on Monday, which was kind of a pre-show one, and they did one on Tuesday and Wednesday as well. Uh-huh. And I think overall it won, it had about seventy dollars to $80,000, and the other contestants had approximately $20,000. So well, we, mu- we must give the computer some props, because obviously it's pretty good. And I'd like to say I'm the uh, you know I'd like to be the first to uh, you know bow to our new computer overlords one zero zero one zero zero one one zero one zero 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 two what no you can't do that no oh that's lovely what what what's our next story today Jesse uh, well we have uh, the subscription service now available from Apple um, it's going to be a subscription service for uh, kind of other media like newspapers um, periodicals so you can actually subscribe to them. And, you know, read them on your iPad or any other device. So it's kind of like Netflix, but for other media, not just video. Oh, they, uh, video is p- part of it as well. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, one of those things where people have an iPad or they have another device, they want to read whatever periodical they have. But now instead of just getting a subscription through, you know, uh, New York Times or uh, your local newspaper, you can go through uh, either the App Store and uh, purchase a subscription and view it on your uh, iPod, iPad. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds like a neat idea. Do you know what, is, is it going to be roughly the same price as like a Netflix service, something in that neighborhood? Or 
I, it's going to be determined partially by who's selling it. Mm. Um, but they do have strict guidelines as far as, you know, if you do sell it through the app store, um, how it compares to where they sell it in other places. And normally they, you know, it's very common for people to sell um, one periodical for different prices depending on where you find it. But Apple's actually strictly controlling how people price things on the app store. And also they are taking 30% of... Uh, that cost, so whatever somebody pays for it, they get 30% of that. They mm -hmm. love their 30% something fierce, don't they? Yep, and at first it was going to be 30% across the board. So anything you buy, anytime, 30%, but I think this is only going to be for whenever you introduce a new person to the App Store subscription, uh, it's going to be a one-time 30% chunk. After that, um, the provider of that content will uh, receive all the funds, which was a huge um, issue for a lot of publishers. They don't want to have to take that hit. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, of course... <laughs> After they released it a day later, uh, Google One Pass. So it's another subscription service. Da -da -da. For media. It's Google to the rescue. <laughs> and uh, they allow the publisher to have 90% of all the earnings at all times, and the publisher also um, gets to receive all the content about the end users that they need for um, their tracking or anything else. Wow. So it's, it's less control than Apple um, as far as the content being delivered, pricing. But, I mean, Google has always kind of been less controlled than Apple. Apple's been pretty controlling of their apps and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, at least in my opinion, as, as I've seen it, they seem to be a lot more controlling about what goes on the App Store rather than, like, you know, the Android market or that kind of stuff. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I mean, they have definite reasons for it. Some people like the restrictions they put on there. Some people don't, mm -hmm. um, and for different reasons. Uh, one, they want to give you a stable environment. Um, but people also believe, you know, if I want to actually release something, I don't believe you should be able to stop me. But, you know, they control all the uh, the locks on the doors so they can pretty much do whatever they want. Uh-huh. Nice. And we got time for one more story, Jesse. What's your, your last best story? Uh, Sony doesn't like people who jailbreak PS3s. Shocking. What? Um, and they just uh, basically submitted a threat saying, you know, if you have a jailbroken um, PS3, which this is even prior to the hack that was retweeted, you know, a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, they have had a jailbreak for, I think, at least uh, one or three months. Um, the first one to finally come out after the three or four years of it being um, released. And they're basically threatening, yeah, if you have a uh, hacked PS3, you will be banned from the uh, Sony network, uh, PS3 Sony network for life. Forever. Forever. That's, Forever. that's not good if you really like your PS3 games. Well, you know, you should be buying them. Oh. What? what? Yeah. Hold uh, on. <laughs> this is a new concept here. <laughs> this is the 21st century. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this whole buying mentality. Well, it's, you know, buy it or go to jail. Well, you know. Yeah. Do they have PS3s in jail? <laughs> because, I mean, that might be the only way to go. Uh, yes. Anyway, I, hey, I just wanted to let you guys know real quick. I got a text from my grandma. Oh, did you? She says she can hear us. Yeah. So apparently we are live on the radio. Yeah, And she thinks, she, she thinks we sound great. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, give us a call right here. We've got open studio line 608-515-8768. You can talk to our security experts about viruses and securing your computer and all that good stuff. And we'd love to hear from you. You can also fire us an email, radio at doit.wisc.edu. That's radio at doit, D-O-I-T dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U. And we're going to take ourselves a quick little break here, but we will be back right after this.
Hi, my name's Andrew. And my name's Stephanie. And, and we're, we're from, from International Student Volunteers. Volunteers. Now, for anyone who wants to travel abroad and volunteer in places like Australia, Europe, Africa, South America, and Thailand, you can participate on International Student Volunteers' four-week summer travel program. The program combines two weeks of meaningful volunteering with two weeks of action-packed adventure. You could choose to work in conservation or community development, doing things like working with underprivileged children and families, teaching English, or building homes. You could even choose to work with endangered animals like whales in Ecuador or elephants in Thailand, which is really cool. Then, the next two weeks is a full-on adventure tour. We will do amazing activities like whitewater rafting in Costa Rica, glacier climbing in New Zealand, scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef, and even wildlife safaris in Africa. So guys, if this sounds exciting to you, then there's an informational meeting about the International Student Volunteers starting at noon on Tuesday, February 1st. For more information, email me at stephaniereed.isb at gmail.com or visit our website at www.isbonline.org. And welcome back to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet, with 16 different ways to connect to us. Check us out, doit.wist.edu forward slash radio. And hey, if you contact us, guess what? You win a prize. That's right. A prize, You tie? win a prize. And guess what this prize is? It's, it's wonderful. I'm holding it in my hands right now. It's a Spirit Collection Varsity Jacket Silicone Skin for your iPhone 4. 16 gigabyte, 32 gigabyte, it doesn't care. It'll fit on either. Any iPhone 4 will Any do. Any iPhone 4 will do. It's got a, it's, it's red, it's got Bucky Badger on it, and it comes with this amazing little holographic sticker, which is on the front of it. I don't think it's part of the silicone skin, but man, I just can't stop staring at this thing. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's not that beautiful. Well, it's I like holograms. So. Anyhow, if you want to get a hold of our <laughs> lovely iPhone 4 case, what you have to do is call us right now, 608-515-8768. That's 608-515-8768. Mm-hmm. Fire us an email at radio.doit.wisc. Excuse me, radio at doit.wisc.edu. And you can check out our website as well. Um, and check out wsum.org. We're streaming live. And on 91.7 FM, broadcasting to the local Madison area. We love it in our studios right here. So up next, we've got some guests with us here. Our main guests, Stefan and Monica from Do It Security. They're going to tell us all about keeping our computers secure, away from malware, viruses, spyware, uh, you know, the, 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 the spies from Walking Bullwinkle. You know, no, they're not getting in. So Boris, anyway. Boris and Natasha Bo- oh, are here. Yeah, Boris and Natasha, you cannot come into my computer. <laughs> so uh, first question, Monica, please tell us how I don't come into computer, please. That wasn't actually a question, but go ahead ahead and introduce yourself. Tell tell us what you do at Do It Security. Uh, My name is Monica, and I work at the Office of Campus Information Security. My primary job is working with application security and database, web applications. I do risk analysis and vulnerability analysis. Fun job. Cool. Hi there, and I'm uh, Stefan Way. I uh, work uh, specifically for Do It Security, which which is an offshoot of the campus uh, group that Monica works for. Uh, The team that I uh, work with is responsible really for uh, securing the enterprise uh, applications across our campus. Uh, So think about where your uh, grades and your um, uh, financial aid lives, and uh, our job is to protect those things. So it's pretty important. You don't want people getting in there and uh, stealing grades, stealing, you know, pulling like a Ferris Bueller's Day off and changing grades, nothing like that? Not really. No? No. All right. Hopefully that's a lot less... uh, 
it's a lot uh, better, you know, security nowadays than it was in that in those times of Ferris Bueller. But very much uh, so. what I, I know oh. this is unconventional, folks, but we actually have a caller on the line what? with us here to ask a question. Caller, what is your name, please? My name is John. Hey, John, what's your question today for our, our guests in studio, Monica Bush and Stefan Way? My question is, how many campers would you estimate stayed at the Capitol last night? Oh, boy. A, a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> did, did you have internet access up there? I did not. I actually was not out there. Oh, okay. I'm curious. The is this like a gumball thing? Like you look at <laughs> how many gumballs are in the thing? You I, win prize? I, I believe the answer is tens of thousands is how many were up there today. So thanks very much for calling. We really appreciate it. All right. Well, anyway, let's let's get back to the questions here. Um, so, y- you know, a question that I get a lot is, can you get a virus on your cell phone? Yes. You. Oh, well, okay. There we go. That was the easy. Tell tell us a little bit about. I mean, because you know, people are people are used to computer viruses. But what about? I mean, is there anything new and cool about cell phone? I mean, you know, not cool, but interesting about cell phone viruses uh, at all? Anything like that? Well, the most interesting thing is that the most targeted operating system for mobile malware is Nokia Symbian. Oh. It, we're we're using iPhones and Androids, but the virus market hasn't quite caught up to what's really going on there. But what's different between, say, a regular phone that you had 10 years ago to, as opposed to a smartphone is your smartphone is an actual operating system with actual applications. So the complexity just adds the number of vulnerabilities that are available, which cause different attack vectors. So you'd say it's kind of like possible. So you'd say it's kind of like a mini computer that you're hanging around in your pocket. Yeah, right? you have a mini computer. I mean, and it stores not just some people. You know, it has your contacts, it has your photos, it has a lot more personal information than some people's work computers. So it's stuff you wouldn't want uh, the baddies to get a hold of. That's right, and they say that for 2011 that viruses are going to be a huge, huge thing for mobile devices in 2011. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Stefan, let's say, okay, I've got a smartphone, now I'm concerned, Monica has concerned me about these viruses, what can I do? Well, actually, I'm going to throw it back to Monica, because Monica <laughs> is, um, um, has been leading um, um, a lot of the efforts on campus as we've been developing the uh, WISC apps for, uh, for the Android as well as for the iPhone. Uh, You're talking about the MyUW app that's available now, right? That is correct. So we've been, been working a lot, lot, lot in that space. Um, so I, I don't know if you've had much experience with that yet, Monica. Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the Mo- U- uh, mobile UW initiative is applications that are for the iPhone and soon the Android. Um, but in general, for you know smartphones, when we talk about what happens if I were to receive a virus on my smartphone, it's just like any other computer. You want to obviously detect it and delete it as soon as possible. And there is virus software for mobile phones that you can purchase, not through Doit yet, but... We're looking into setting up programs that will have virus for our mobile phones in the future. Interesting. But when we talk about securing mobile devices, there are things you can do outside of virus protection that are extraordinarily important that I'd like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. What are are a few things you can do? Well, first of all, you want to use password protection. All phones have the capability to be password protected. And the important thing about that is just... If you lose your device, you don't want anybody either making phone calls because that incurs charges on your bill or 
taking your contact information and exploiting it in a way that maybe the people that are stored in your phone don't want. <laughs> Smart idea. Yeah. yeah. And also, if you have your password protected phone, put your name and address contact information on the back of the phone so that when you do lose it, somebody could actually return it to you. Uh-huh. Yeah, we were talking about that last week with your computer. Jesse was saying that it's a really good idea that you put yeah. your name and address on your phone or, yes. you know, in that case, your computer underneath your battery Very someplace. Important. You yeah. should also probably make not make your password 123445, I'm guessing? Yeah, don't make your password 12345. All right. The, oh, Jesse's on. Jesse's got a question for yeah, you. Yeah, he does. Sure. Uh are there any differences between app security in the Apple Store versus the Android market or anything else for app delivery for smartphones? There are differences. It's kind of what you were talking about earlier where Apple really tries to manage and control the applications that get put in iTunes. And they do this for the purpose of your protection to make sure that the application that you're downloading has been verified by their security checklist and it's also verifies the developer of that application whereas Google they still require code signing and code signing is a way of verifying that what you're downloading hasn't changed as well as the individual that developed it but they don't have any checks that are necessary in order to develop their applications so Apple's considered a walled garden where they have specific requirements in order to put their apps in the Apple Store, and Google's considered more of the Wild West, where anybody and everybody can sign their apps and put them out there for download. Exactly. So it's a little. What you're saying is it's a little bit more dangerous to get apps off of Android Market in 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 a general overall sense. You know how us technical people are. I don't want to put card <laughs> boundaries on anything. Well, but yeah, no, I I hate to deal so in absolutes as let's, well. Let's talk about dangerous. I mean. Really, both systems have vulnerabilities that are very different from each other because they're both different operating systems. The platforms in which you develop the applications are different. So you have all kinds of different vulnerabilities that are different for each. And, and the reasons that that people may create malware-type uh, um, um, applications in Android, it's probably different than what the people are doing to attack I- iPhones. And it probably depends on the market share a lot of the time. Um, and it gets in, in the difference between the hacker who's trying to be cute, if you will, versus someone who's really trying, who's really acting more as a criminal trying to do something malicious. And I will say, though, that the latest vulnerability that's been reported by Christopher Williams on, the, at, uh, the tele- uh, on a online place called The Telegraph was a, actually an Android application that you downloaded it. It had a security vulnerability that would take control of phone and send text messages and make Uh-oh. phone calls on behalf of the so i mean those are out there for both you know I, apple iphone and android there's all call, kinds of different it's gonna be calling up all my old ex-girlfriends that's, and sending text messages and that's, that's, right. that's terrible all three of them well oh, actually your ex-girlfriend caught me again it's probably an application your ex-girlfriend wrote to spy on you. i knew it <laughs> well thanks very much we're gonna have a little bit more here with the do it security duo stefan and monica but right now we're gonna go through an interview with the head cheese the the big boss this the coo mr john krogman yeah we had so much fun with john last week we thought we'd have him back again to continue talking a little bit more so let's hear what we've got to say here um, different projects that do it's involved with either in the EW system or elsewhere uh, what project for you is the most exciting well right now uh, certainly Jesse it's the uh, HRS project the uh, system that pays everybody so <laughs> there's a lot of self-service associated with it 
so you can get online, you know, not only to log your, your time if you're a student working, but also to change information uh, relative to your uh, personal information. Uh, permanent employees can look up and change benefits online. Oh. Uh, that's something they can't currently do. In the long haul, you think this upgrade will really be worth it? Uh, we, we definitely think so because this is, a we believe, a 20-year investment, 25-year investment for UW System and brings a lot of the full-fledged functionality that, that modern payroll systems have, including lots of reporting and uh, not just reporting for us internally, but the reporting that we have to do to the state and federal agencies and, and federal grants and all those sorts of things. I've heard it's going to digitize, uh, like, uh, vacation recording and stuff like that, too. Is, exactly. that, is that correct? Exactly. Oh, that's going to be very very nice. Yep. No more yep. uh, no more papers. <laughs> yeah, we, we hope to get rid of all of those things eventually. Yeah. But, but then we're taking business away from our print and publishing folks. Is that a good thing? Well, they're not directly involved in that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Never so hopefully we're fine there. So. <laughs> So what's one thing, um, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have your coffee, you have your breakfast. What gets you excited about going to work in the morning? Well, you know, there are so many interesting things going on, and the number of of fingers that IT has uh, on the institution here and that, that do it help support as well are really exciting. So there are always lots of exciting projects, uh, new projects. In addition to just what we do operationally, I mean, if you think about, you know, the snow day that we had last week, in essence, we still had to have do-it staff uh, somehow get here because the help desk kept running, and, and God bless the student employees largely that we have in the help desk because they, they uh, fought their way to get here. But the Network Operations Center, if you think about it, how did everybody access campus when they weren't here? It's, it's through the network, and so we have to ensure that everything stays up and running. So we had folks fighting through in four-wheel drive vehicles. We had folks that <laughs> camped out through the night. Some snowmobiles here. maybe, something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, just, just <laughs> to make sure that all those things run um, whether we're here or not. And so whether it's an operational, uh, something we're doing operationally, or whether it's something we're doing cu- cutting edge, it, it's always something new and different, and that's what makes it fun. What's the one piece of technology you can't live without right now or, or that you have on your person at most times of the day? Oh, it's it's my Android smartphone now. I mean, you know, I don't have to tell you, you guys that, uh, you know, everything from your schedule to documents to email to you name it, to, you're in constant contact with everything. So. Other than the mobile UW app, do you have a do you have, have an app suggestion for the listeners out there? One of oh, your favorites, maybe? That's, you know, the the one that I, that I use uh, quite a bit, uh, is the latitude that, that comes on there where you can mm. track members of your family and things. Now, my son doesn't really like that because I can tell where he's stopping. But uh, I'm not familiar with this. Can you, can you tell me a little more about that? Yeah, it's the, it's the Google latitude, and if you if you activate your phone, uh, folks can actually track where you're at and where you're going. So oh, it's, Really? Oh. Big Brother is here. It yeah. is, it is. But wow. you, you have to let folks track you, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, sort of. <laughs> I'm sure somebody at Google could turn that on if they were really hard pressed. Probably, to do that. Yeah. probably. Mm. So it's interesting. Um, so your your son actually gave you permission to track him. He That's, did. Wow. He did. Well, he has a, he has a job that he does a lot of delivery stuff, so it's I good see. to know um, where I he's see. at or if he has those sorts of problems. I was going to say that's a pretty good father son bond there. If it is. Gonna, yeah, it is. Dad, I no problem. I don't, I don't care know. If you... I don't know how thrilled he is with me tracking him late at night, but at least <laughs> while he's working. Uh, yeah, but that's one of those things. Back in the day when I was in high school. And my mom didn't know where I was at 3 a.m. She was calling the cops, Ah. you know. And now, as long as he says that and you know roughly where he is, maybe he doesn't really want you to know, but you can track him down. I mean, that's a great benefit of this new technology. I think this is the year where we get technology to work for us. That's my feeling.
There you go. It, it, it's it's kind of uh, oversimplistic, but uh, you know, you notice if your spouse or significant other stops at the store. Oh, gee whiz, while you're there, you know, pick me up a six-pack of root beer. But it, it is amazing, isn't it? Technology touches everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, you know, I think the the interesting thing is, too, is, is a lot of people don't really realize just how big do it is and how, I mean, a lot of people don't really think about, you know, uh, who runs the Internet until it breaks. Exactly. But there are people, you know, that, that like you said, that come in on, on weekends and on snow days and Christmas and, you know, make sure that people can get their email, people can check their calendar, those very essential sort of things. So, yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that I find the most interesting about doing well, it personally. You're, you're right. I mean, it, it really is a utility anymore that mm-hmm. when it's not working, it's like when the electricity goes out. I mean, you're, you're virtually paralyzed when you don't have Internet access, when you can't access email, uh, things of that nature. So we, we really strive to, to get as close to 100% uptime as we can. Uh, we don't achieve that. And, of course, uh, as you guys know, uh, you know, you periodically have to maintain things. But uh, I think for the most part, folks would say, you know, whenever I need it, it's, it's up and working. And that's, that's a credit to the Do It staff that work here. Almost 600 of them and, and a couple hundred student employees as well. So it's a significant footprint on the campus. So we have somewhere between a medium and a large business in and of itself at Do It. Uh, absolutely, Adam. I mean, we have an $85 million budget, uh, believe it or not. A lot of that is, is pass-through, uh, folks that buy things in our tech store and other services uh, that we provide. But uh, you're right. It absolutely is, uh, uh, I would argue, in a medium to large business uh, in the city of Madison, if you think of just to Do It in and of itself. So significant imprint on campus. But yet at the same time, probably only represents about a third of the IT spend on campus. Um, so that gives you an idea of the of the distributed IT folks that are out there helping students and faculty and researchers. Because we have a lot of people who are in department-specific positions who support IT, who work with us a lot, but aren't necessarily part of Do It itself. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, we're trying to get better and better at collaborating and cooperating with those folks, and I think we are, but, but it's a significant IT footprint on campus, absolutely. John Krogman, Chief Operating Officer of Do It. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, it's just fascinating stuff with John Krogman. So glad to have him with us today. And uh, we want to tell you that up next we're going to be playing Stump the Geek. So if you have difficult quest- difficult te- technical questions for us, and I issue a formal challenge out to all of our colleagues over at Do It, if you have something that you think can stump any of the geeks here in the studio, give us a call right now, 608-515-8768. You could win yourself a lovely iPhone 4 case. It's red. It has Bucky on it. It's right next to me. Fire us an email, radio at doit.wis.edu, radio at doit, D-O-I-T dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U. And we will be back with Stump the Geek and other fun stuff, including our guests, Monica and Stefan, right after this.
killing time. Killing Pet is missing. What are you doing? Your pet is missing. Call WSUM at 265 WSUM at 265 Welcome back to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. Check us out online, doit.wisc.edu forward slash radio and right now we're gonna play america's favorite game show right next to jeopardy with watson it's called stump the geek and we actually have a live studio contestant here for stump the geek he's got a question yes indeed sir come on in here come on over and can you tell us your name please hi i'm matt hey matt how you doing today very well very hey, well. excellent thanks for the protest Th- so. oh, thanks for joining us in the studio uh, can, uh, what is your question and uh, actually most importantly which geek do you want to stump Oh, one geek's all the same, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so but, what's your question? Uh, my, my question is, uh, I'm pretty lazy, and specific to that, i uh, looking at uh, using an online backup service, you know, when you pay a monthly fee for it. And I'm a little concerned about if they're going to get a hold of uh, some of my files that may have some tax implications on there. And I, I want to know kind of how secure these online services are and what type of agreement you might have to sign away. Oh, that's an excellent question. Uh, first, before we do that, though, we've been remiss in not reading our disclaimers today. So, Stefan, can you give us a, a quick overview of our three disclaimers, please? Oh, you bet. The bi- opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology a.k.a. do it, and other university departments may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Participants of the broadcast may offer opinions, such as my own, or recommendations. However, they do not endorse nor have... 
Nor ha- nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of Nobody the products or discount. Nobody believes in what we say. That's right. There you so go. The re- the, Perfect. The reason that we have to say that is because what our listener Matt just asked us is pretty much to recommend products, which is something we're not technically supposed to do. Um, I, I, and I can't really speak to any of this. Do you folks use any of the big services or know anything about that and how secure their actual cloud storage type th- device is? Well, let's talk about the cloud. That's an interesting thing with who owns your data? Where is it really stored? In, is it stored in the U.S.? Is it stored abroad? Because if you want to get really technical about jurisdiction and what really happens, that's kind of where this conversation could go. But I'm going to let Stefan, he has a lot of information on this. I, I personally do not use um, those services because I'm, I'm kind of geeky and I like having my, my hundreds of little backup devices around the house to try to find that one picture on. So you, you've got like flash drives and hard drives scattered everywhere. And disks and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's great. So it's in a back room somewhere buried. But uh, in Matt's case, I mean, the, these are, are, there are reputable services out there. They're in, in business to make money. And... Um, their their interest is not to do something illicit illicit or illegal to no longer make money. Yeah. That be that being said, oh go ahead. No, I was just going to say please please continue. Okay. Um the um um services what what I'd recommend Matt is to really check out the service in the sense of do they offer secure options? Do they call things secure? Um do they ask about what type of data? Um I would think that a service uh, provider would not want you shoving a bunch of what we call restricted business type data, such as uh, f- uh, social security numbers or, or credit card numbers out there. Um, so if this company is saying, hey, we'll do that for your personal personal use, they might not be as, as reputable, in my opinion. Um, however, again, it's, it's looking for, for the words of, of security. There's nothing free out there um, in the space. Yeah, so something like Dropbox, which is a free service, probably would not be as secure as something for which you were getting a regular bill every month. Correct. Actually, you know, I just pulled up the Dropbox website, and it looks like um, all the transmission, the data is over SSL. They've they encrypt mm-hmm. pretty much all their servers on AES two fifty six. Um, so I, I, I say it's, it's not. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, and if you want to have a little bit more full discussion of the cloud, we did do that as our topic uh, two episodes ago. So you can go on our website www.doit.wis.edu forward slash radio and go to our podcast section. Episode three is all about the cloud. So give us a listen right then. Yeah, and I think the biggest risk of the security services that are storing your data is more about their consolidation because a lot of companies are starting up getting really popular, getting bought out, or closing down. So what mm-hmm. happens if that company goes away is a good question for any regular consumer to ask is, how does my data get transferred back to me when and if this corporation becomes obsolete? That's a great point. That's a great point. The s- stability of the service is what we typically call it. Okay. Well, I want to throw it back to you guys because earlier we were talking about um, you know steps you can take to secure your phone and I guess you know secure your computer in general. And I think we might have you know gotten on off, off on a little tangent there and uh, didn't finish the the checklist. So you guys want to let? Is there any, are there any other steps that you can tell us to how to how to secure accurately? You know and and uh, put it in a in a vault or you know what, what, what do I have to do basically? So Ty, thanks for coming back to the question. I'm going to make it short and sweet. All right. Um, update your phone software, please. Uh, for example, there was thirty six or forty six security vulnerability patches 
from iPhone version 3 upgrade. I mean, that's a lot. And your applications are also getting continuously updated with various security patches. So it's important to keep your phone updated, not unlike your computer, because it is a mini computer. Download carefully and use it as intended. Jailbreaking your phone may provide you some opportunity to use other applications. That's fantastic. But it really puts your phone at risk in the sense that it's now vulnerable and it's giving applications direct access to the operating system in ways that aren't necessarily the most safe. And Use caution with Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, what? yes, is a good thing. No, I, I just had a question. Are there antivirus software out for there iOS is, or there's Android? There's a lot of antivirus software out there for personal smartphones. There's also encryption software. If you're doing a lot of really sensitive data or email on your phone, very important. You could fully disencrypt back up your phone. Make sure it's backed up, that your backup is encrypted with a password. So a moment ago, you were talking about surfing safely, opening emails with with a little bit of caution. Tell me about everybody's favorite website, Facebook, because it seems to me like this is a way that viruses are now really coming into people's computers is through very popular websites. Is, Is that the case or am I just making that up? Uh, it's it's actually very true, and there's there's multiple ways of doing it. Um, I, I hate to be on the radio and say I defriended someone the other day because <gasps> I got um, I got a virus from them, or no. not a virus, but I got a posting of you know oh click on this for this. Um, usually, and it was from someone who pr- is not affiliated with whatever that link was that looked funny. So um, Facebook is known for these, and it's just not Facebook, as you said. There's, there's other other websites. Because the thing with Facebook is that it's not just Facebook; it's all of these other applications again that are coming into this again, like your your Android smartphone or anything. It's not so much the environment; it's all of the stuff that you install or give access to your environment. So it's that term third party, right? Correct. So, yeah, that's the, the the providers of those applications or the creators of those applications might be doing something really cool. Now, you might have someone else who says, oh, I want to improve this, or hey, here's a nice way to misuse the legitimate use of this service um, or this application. I'm going to trick people to do X so I can get some information about them. So people installing plugins to Facebook or clicking on ads in Facebook, that's where malware has the most probability of infiltrating your computer is when you're clicking on things or installing things that you just don't really know or can trust what the source of that is and what its original intent. I don't know, Monica. I, it's I, actual. I, I trust Farmville pretty much. Have you been you to my farm? Farmville? Farmville? Have you been to my farm? I have not seen there's the farm. Like, there's like 20 cows on there. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling in cows right now. I kind of stopped all the applicants. It was getting a little <laughs> annoying, all the, the please pet please, my yeah. pig requests or whatever Farmville does. Well, did, did you pet my pig? Because I've asked like probably 40 times. And I'm pretty sure there's no malware on my pig. I've double checked. I ran a virus scan. <laughs> Can you run a virus scan on a pig? I uh, don't know if you can. Do anyway, that. I but do. You, I, you know, good. That's, that's actually a good, good, uh, um, kind of a good, <laughs> good thing that that we were talking about the Facebook thing today t- on my wall. I got a, I got a, a thing. Hey, it was a, from a friend of mine. He's like, hey, did you know they're giving away free i iPods or iPads? Oh, click here to get yours. You know, and it's like a lot of those they they really camouflage themselves very well. I remember uh, we had a rash of viruses of people coming into the Do It Help Desk with the same virus where it was someone who uh, they would send out a, an email that just uh, on Facebook, a Facebook email, that just said, hey, check out this picture of you, you know, and it would br- or check out this video of you. It would bring them to a site, and it would say, hey, you don't have the latest version of Adobe Flash. Download it now. Well, they, they clicked on the button. 
pulled up Adobe Flash, you know, and it, and, it, and it looked like the Adobe Flash downloader. It almost got me, too. Like, I'm like, I think I have the latest version of Adobe Flash. And it turns out it was a virus, and it was a very good, very deceptive campaign by whomever put that together. I thought, I just... Yeah, I got to give them props for that, I guess, you know, even though it was an evil, evil campaign. Well, and we should also mention that in case you do get a virus or a malware or something else on your computer, there's a place you can take it if you're a UW-Madison student, faculty, or staff person, and that's over to Ty's group over at the Help Desk. That's right. You can take it to me at the Do It Help Desk. Uh, you can bring it to any one of our walk-in services. Uh, mal like anything software-related, anytime, basically anything we do is free. Uh, unless we actually have to open up your machine and you know swap out parts. So if you have viruses, if you have malware, we can get rid of that stuff for you for free. So I mean, come on, you know, don't be afraid to drop on by. At least you know we can even give you a free diagnosis right there at the desk if you are concerned that you are infected. Yeah, our main help desk is located at 1210 West Dayton Street in the Computer Science Building. We also have two other satellite locations. One's at Memorial Union in the basement where ASM Student Print used to be. And the other one is out at Health Sciences Learning Center at 750 Highland Avenue in the University Bookstore. We have not only a satellite help desk, but we also have a second tech store location as well. No, I, I, the one question that I get asked, and this is for both of you guys here, one question that I get asked, asked time and time and time and time again is, you know, why do they do it? Why do they make the viruses that, that get on my Facebook? Why? Why does that happen? What are they trying to do? Uh, you know, my Midwestern mom would say. So wh why are they doing it? I was going to say that didn't it? sound like your grandma. No, it's, well, it's close to my grandma. Uh, close. It's close. But so why do they do it? Sounded like Grover from Sesame Street. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So why do they do it? Uh, just there, real quick. There's two reasons. One, someone's curious to see if they can just simply break something or misuse something. The other is that, that there's attackers out there, criminals out there, who are just trying to collect information. It's a way for them to collect more and more information to figure out where the soft spots are to then launch attacks where they can get some type of financial gain or, gain or harm someone or those sorts mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. Information is profitable out there, definitely. So, But our <laughs> last-minute question here is, so say you are not being a good person, as Jesse was mentioning earlier, and buying all of your games and your software, and especially your music on the Internet legitimately, uh, is is it risky to download music and movies illegally from, say, torrent sites or other things like that? It absolutely is because you don't know the the legitimate um, if the song is legitimately that song. I mean, there's technical things you can do, such as fund checksums and file sizes and and date files and all all those sorts of things. But um, those files can take. Um, uh, the form of some uh, malicious code or virus or, or malware. Um, I have an old-school example I'd like to use if I have about uh, 30 seconds to explain it. Uh, back in the early 80s, there was a gaming site, um, um, not really a site because we didn't really have the Internet yet, but it was a, a modem pool where people could f uh, uh, call in, download, and upload games. Well, it was really cool, and people were sharing these games, and all of a sudden someone would download a game and it would break the computer. It would delete data or it would delete a, f a disk or those sorts of things. Well, it turns out that the things that people were legitimately up downloading, thinking that they were fixing and uploading, were causing these viruses, and it, it, it really caused more harm. So now you're in a shared space. Again, that third party that we mentioned earlier that we can't always trust. Yeah. And if you're using torrents or peer-to-peer -peer file sharing, it really opens up your device to be communicated with, with thousands. You could become a bot in what's called a botnet, zombie botnets, where your computer is unwilling controlled by other things file sharing is okay if it's non-copyrighted material 
The Recording Industry Association of America, RIAA, is very serious about identification of individuals that have illegally downloaded copyrighted material. So it's a very serious issue. And Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. That's right. Boy, we could talk all day about security because it's a nearly endless topic, especially these days. The one thing I'd like to, to just plug, because it is a scary space out, out there. Mm-hmm. And what, what can I do to secure my system? Mm-hmm. And the one thing, one, one of the items that allow the student seg fees go towards are all these services we provide um, uh, through Do It. And one of those services is this free security software that we provide either on CDs that are available at the tech, Do It tech store or are available as downloads from the cio.wisc.edu backslash security site. Excellent. And, uh, boy, I can't thank you enough for being in studio on behalf of Ty and Jesse here. Uh, Monica Bush, Stefan Way, thank you so much for being here. We'd also like to thank our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Perry Brunelli, Edward Hoover, Brian Kister, Jack Leepak, Ty Leto, Howie Mead, Mark Nessel, Brian Rust, and Bill Zimmerman. The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Dewitt's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman. And our Interim CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Joanne Berg. Today's broadcast was produced by Sandy Cyberlick and produced and engineered by Adam Wiesenfarth. Our associate producers are Ty Christian and Laura Grady, with assistance from Stephen Bloy, Dan Collins, Matthew Sirianni, and the Nates, Harrison Weber, and Zastro. Our on-air producer and director of e-communications is Matt Rockwell. Our staff photographers are Rick Keir and Chris Ugariza, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producer of Do It Live is Jesse LeGrew. Next week, we'll talk to the folks from Do It Software Training for Students group about, you guessed it, software training for students. Until then, you can find us online at doit.wist.edu slash radio and check out our new behind-the-scenes podcast. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends and join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. right here on 91.7 FM and WSUM.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.